This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Welcome to Health and Living with me, T. Xiao Ik. Women in menopause tend to dismiss symptoms related to the genital urinary syndrome of menopause. Uh, and these could include things like bladder incontinence, vaginal dryness, painful sexual intercourse, even bleeding during sex. You know, a lot of very uncomfortable, perhaps even taboo things that women don't like to um, really have to address, uh, but can be very debilitating and affect their quality of life um, as they're going through menopause. So here on Health and Living, we've been doing a three-part series looking at menopause-related issues, how to manage them, together with consultant obstetrician and gynecologist, Dr. Premita de Modern. So today, in our final episode, we want to look at the effects of menopause on vaginal, urinary and sexual functions and why it's important um, for women themselves and for their healthcare providers to recognise and support them as they're going through these issues. Dr. Premita, um, as we've been mentioning, uh, in the past couple of weeks is also chair of the development group for the newly uh, revised clinical practice guidelines on management of menopause in Malaysia. Dr. Premita, how are you today? I'm good. Thank you very much for inviting me again. So, um, as I said, and uh, you know, do correct me if I'm wrong earlier, um, within the spectrum of symptoms and problems related to menopause and what we've been discussing are things like the, um, the vasomotor symptoms, right? The hot flushes, the night sweats, um, the tiredness and mood issues that come with that drop in uh, the estrogen hormone. Uh, we've been talking about um, reduced bone density and the risk of osteoporosis as well. But, you know, perhaps left out of the conversation is the genital urinary problems. Am I right? Absolutely. And I'm so happy that we have sort of dedicated one whole section to genital urinary syndrome of menopause because it is such an important aspect. Um, many Asian women up till today uh, don't like to talk about it um, because it's sort of said to be an accepted thing for things to to not be very healthy in the vagina and it is said to be like part of growing old and you know um, that area does not need to be used anymore um, you know you don't have to look after that area and it's a really very sad way of uh, looking at it because so many things can be done and I'm talking about you know it doesn't have to be many women think that oh, you only need to look after your vagina if you're having sex. And that's not that's not what it's all about. Vaginal health is very important because in that area is also your bladder and close by is also your anus. So those areas, very important. It's an area that is forever closed. And that's what I always tell my patients. You know, we always... You know, there's always clothes with either underwear or panties or pads or panty liners. It's never been open to aerate. It's an area that with COVID has caused a lot of problems because women were always sitting down and not going, you know, 
making taking a walk to going getting lunch or or getting tea or going to the coffee uh, area to get make themselves a cup of coffee everything was just a few steps away and that changed that whole vaginal health um so yeah it is a very important area and especially an area that goes through a lot of effects with the menopause so I like that that it's closed literally because of the way, you know, um, our clothing or our habits and activity. It's also closed metaphorically, right? We don't like to talk about yes, it. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> but yes. Um, perhaps before we go into uh, what are the changes that happen with menopause, on the flip side, what actually is good vaginal health? If, if we don't like to talk about it, we may not even recognise uh, what is sort of um, healthy and not healthy when it comes to vaginal health as, you know, as a woman goes through all the years of her life, not just menopause. Yeah, absolutely. Because it starts from the very beginning, to be very honest. Now, you know, um, a lot of us feel that we need to be squeaky clean in the vagina. So a lot of hot water is used daily, washing it, making, using a lot of um, fragrant perfumes and uh, scented soaps. And all that actually destroys vaginal health over the years. And I always, uh, you know, tell my patients that the skin in that vagina, the mucosal layer, is similar to the mucosal layer we have in our mouth. So let's say that you wash your mouth twice a day with hot water. What's going to happen? That whole skin around that area is going to get, you know, drier and drier. With the mouth, it's easy. You open it, it's aerated, but it's a closed area for the vagina. So when it's closed, you don't actually let the vagina heal. So because of that, it's something that you don't, it's, an, it's a problem that you don't feel in the beginning, but you feel it as time goes along and you get closer towards the menopause and beyond because with the menopause, the normal aging changes happen. That is that skin, which used to be nice and thick now becomes thinner. It's like how we would go and buy fruits in the shop, you know, and we're looking for nice plumpy, juicy fruits. But now the fruits are older and so they're a bit more crinkly on the surface. It's very crude to talk about it this way, but that's exactly what actually happens. The skin in that vagina gets thinner, more crinkly, drier. And here we are continuing to use a lot of these hot waters and detergents and all the pH-sensitive washes because we are programmed trained to keep it extra clean and because of that uh, you know um, we get more and more problems with the menopause now saying all that doesn't mean that you don't clean your vagina you know please don't get me wrong it's just that we just do natural cleaning and we don't have to actually scrub it or douche it or use you know like some of my patients would use Dettol and salt water all these things are a big no-no be gentle with the vagina because that's really very important. If you're wearing a panty liner, change it every three hours. Make sure that the panty liner is a breathable panty liner, non-perfumed, because it's very important that whatever discharge gets onto that panty liner, if you're keeping it for the, for the rest of the day, it shouldn't get absorbed, reabsorbed back into the body. Change the pads frequently. Wear loose underwears, loose clothings. 
it's the problems that always come in with tight underwears and tight jeans, and then we get problems the week after with discharge and all the other issues. So I think this part of vaginal health, which also includes eating right, because we know that you go on a carbohydrate binge or a sugar binge over the weekend, you're going to be more prone to fungal infections that are going to come along. So these little tips for vaginal health is so important for the future and especially into the menopause. So it's all just back to this misguided idea, this societal con- uh, perception, right, that women's uh, um, vaginal area has to be all flowery. We, we don't want to talk about what it is in its <laughs> natural sense and in, in, in our misguided Absolutely. efforts. Yeah, in our misguided efforts to uh, keep it clean and smelling nice, we're actually doing more harm to it. But but you said, uh, and you started talking about discharge and uh, fungal, uh, you know, infections and things like that. So are we looking at things like that as signs that something is off with uh, vaginal health? Um, Is it to do with discharge? Um, What might be some symptoms that we should look out for? Well, to be very honest, all of us have discharge. I mean, you know, it is common to get some discharge even every day, which may be a little bit more towards the period time. Um, And it might be a little bit more during that mid-cycle or the ovulation time. So women are prone to discharge. So they need to know what's normal for them. So anything that's out of that ordinary, say that the discharge changes color and um, it becomes a little bit more flaky, um, you know, it's a bit more curdy, then we are talking about fungal infection. If it becomes, uh, you know, a bit more, um, there is a little bit of, foul smell associated with it, then we might be talking about different kind of discharge, which is called the bacterial vaginosis, which might be more um, hormone changes coming in. So then we are looking at discharge that might be completely out of ordinary, might be greenish, might be reddish, might be bloody discharge. Of course, it might not only be discharge from the vagina, we always need to check the cervix to see whether anything is going on there or even in the uterus, you might have a growth that's inside the uterus that's causing the discharge. But, you know, any discharge out of the ordinary needs to be investigated. So we're looking at a discharge that gives you itchiness, pain or foul smell. So these are the main things that we look at. Now, saying that, a lot of women going through menopause um, tend to have a lot of itchiness around their vulval area, the vaginal area. But these are very typical women that would come to us and say, I don't have discharge, doctor, but it is so itchy. You know, and I'm always scratching that particular area. So then I tend to ask them, what have they been doing? I've been using a lot of hot water because hot water gives me that relief. And I say, yes, it definitely gives you relief when you're using it. But after that, then it starts itching all over again. So, you know, it is a very dry area. The skin becomes very thin. The the whole opening of that vagina is also very uh, painful. And if you really look at the vagina, we actually take, we actually make the women look at their own vaginas because they would be shocked to look at it to see that it is red and flaky Mm -hmm. because of all the long-term wrong use or in a wrong way of taking care of the vagina. 
So you don't use hot water anymore. Now we have to moisturize it. We have to, you know, oil it. We have to not wear underwear if you don't need to wear underwear. We have to aerate it. So, you know, it's a completely different way of uh, uh, taking care of the vagina. But this is an insult that has come in over, say, what, 30 years of use, 40 years of use. It's not going to change overnight. So it is a whole change of how you would, you know, take care of the vagina and it is going to take some time to get better. So that's really very important to remember. Mm. So we're discussing um, vaginal health and uh, genital urinary um, issues related to menopause. But really, whether or not you're a woman going through menopause, even if you're a much younger woman, Please, if you're doing any of the things that Dr. Premita described, like using hot water, uh, douches, scrubs, perfumed washes um, on in, in your vaginal area, in the misguided notion of keeping it clean, um, please stop that right now. But we will be going on to discuss um, changes related to menopause uh, that can cause um, issues when it comes to vaginal, urinary and sexual functions. Um, what are some issues to take note of and what can be done to help women. So I'm speaking today to consultant, obstetrician and gynecologist, Dr. Premita de Mondoran. It's the final part of our three-part series on menopause. Stay tuned to Health and Living BFM 89.9. Welcome back to Health and Living with me, T. Shaoik. My guest today, consultant, obstetrician and gynaecologist, Dr. Premita de Modern. Um, Dr. Premita has been joining me for, uh, this will be the third week now, having very frank and candid conversations about menopause, um, what women really go through, why it's so important to support and um, help them out as they go through, um, you know, it is, menopause is a health condition uh, with company. Uh, symptoms and risks to be managed. Uh, and as we discussed in the first part of this show, genital urinary um, syndrome of menopause is actually a thing uh, that women, uh, perhaps after the age of 50, do go through, but less talked about because it's so taboo, uh, I think, for us to talk about things related to our vaginas, our bladders, uh, urinary functions, sex. My gosh, heaven forbid that women above the age of 40 or 50 should uh, talk about any of these, right? But that's exactly what we're doing. Doing today, So we talked about vaginal health earlier, Dr. Pramita, and sort of understanding uh, what are many things that women do wrong in the earlier years. Um, and now we come to, um, as women are facing menopause or are in menopause, you talked about the normal changes brought on by aging, where the skin of the vaginal area will become thinner, crinkly, drier. Now, what are some other changes in this whole, um, you know, vaginal and urinary area that women will be going through? Well, the whole structures also change in terms of the ligaments becoming a little bit more laxer. So when we're talking about the ligaments and, you know, muscles, we are talking about the ligaments and muscles that hold up the bladder, that hold up the, uh, the uterus, so when, as usual, you know, with aging, you know, muscles get a bit more weaker. So this, these areas 
then get a bit more looser, okay? So the muscles or the supporting structures um, uh, uh, get lengthened. So you can actually have the bladder falling into the vaginal area a little bit more. You can also have the uterus falling into the vaginal area a little bit more. And pregnancies actually don't, actually, don't help because let's say a woman has had a, a couple of pregnancies and let's say that she's had long labors or she's had an instrumental delivery so all these things actually make that area a little bit more lax. So that's why now we are actually very, um, uh, we are all going out to, uh, to promote pelvic floor exercises immediately after delivery. In fact, it should be, it should be started even during a pregnancy and, you know, and intensified after delivery, to tighten up all the bladder and, and the uterus structures so that the chances of all these uh, laxity becomes lesser with the menopause, okay? So now when these muscles and, and, and uh, ligaments get a bit more weaker, so let's say a woman now coughs and she has COVID and she's coughing with a sore throat. Well, what happens is that that whole area now gets even looser. So now let's say that she wants to go and pee. She may not reach the toilet in time because her pee might come out even earlier. Uh, or if you're laughing or you're sneezing, you get a little bit more leak of urine because you're not able to control the, the bladder muscles. And this, and it gets get very annoying, uh, you know, because it also, it's embarrassing. You know, automatically you feel, oh my God, you know, I'm going to be like my auntie or, aunt, or my mother. I'm going to have to, having to start using pads or, or those pull-up underwears because of the fact that, you know, I'm leaking urine. And, you know, it can actually bring a woman down because of all these things. Now, not only that, um, you know, she might be a person who now, you know, has programmed her brain about going to every toilet before she goes out. So she, before she leaves the house, she goes to a toilet. She goes to a supermarket. She knows all the toilets because she's so scared of leaking or, you know, uh, not being able to reach the toilet in time. Um, and not, and this, when the uterus and the bladder muscles get weakened, always remember that just behind that is actually the anus and the rectum. And actually, there are some women who actually cannot have a complete you know, a session in passing motion. So they go in little bits because the bladder, sorry, the, the muscles around that area actually can only pass that amount of stool you know, at small bits. Mm -hmm. So when she gets up and she moves around, then the next bit comes down. So, you know, all this actually is very distressing mm -hmm. because you are now going to be probably spending your life thinking about when am I, when am I going to go to the toilet? Mm -hmm. Should I go now? Should I go later? Can I, you know, can I hold, can I hold my urine? So I've got to go in for a meeting. Can I, can I sit through the whole meeting? Um, you know, can I sit through a whole movie? I mean, I do that if I've got a three hour movie and think, oh my God, you know, you have to plan I, your I toilet break. Coffee before, you know, have to, exactly. Mm. So now that gets, you know, sometimes really very annoying, you know. Um, and I've got many women who come to me and say that sometimes when they're going long distance, you know, traveling to Ipoh or to, to, to Penang, they actually wear pampers, even though they might be 50 or 55, because they're really scared of bladder leaks. Um, so, you know, all this, of course, can happen with menopause. But if we actually start taking care of ourselves even earlier, it sort of, 
you know, cuts down the, the, the severity of these problems as we get older. Yeah, it's really something that, um, again, many people and women accept. Uh, earlier you said uh, genital urinary problems are just accepted as part of growing old, right? So and now we've talked about uh, changes in the vagina, uh, partly caused by aging, but probably compounded by um, poor practices like douching and, and washing with uh, inappropriate products. Uh, and now we've talked about uh, incontinence-related issues, um, poor urine and uh, even bowel emptying uh, habits as well. So um, what, what what do women do? Do do is there something because uh, in the past few shows already we've been talking about menopausal hormone therapy to help women uh, if they're in the right age group to take the therapy and it can reduce uh, their other symptoms and even improve uh, managing their risk of heart disease and things like that um, are we talking about medical therapy for women experiencing this vaginal and urinary issues well, there are a few aspects about it. So when we are talking about going on menopausal hormone therapy, it will help you with the vaginal dryness. But to be very honest, what actually helps with the vaginal dryness is local therapy. That means local vaginal therapy, because that becomes more of uh, uh, medication or lubricants or moisturizers aimed at that particular area rather than, you know, all over the body, okay? So now when you're looking at things like libido, um, which also goes down with the menopause, yes, menopausal hormone therapy can perk up the libido, make you feel like you want to have sex and have that sexual drive. When we talk about, but actually the main hormone that puts that up is actually the testosterone or the male hormone. Now, coming back to local vaginal therapy, and I know from a lot of women actually, um, uh, you know, don't bother about vaginal dryness unless it becomes a, a big issue for them if they are not sexually active. But if they are sexually active, it is an issue because they have pain when they're having sex. Now, pain would be right from the point of, you know, the entrance into the vagina and also at thrusting. The pain can be so intense that it just stops sexual activity. It can cause bruising. I've had women coming in with actual cuts, you know, and, you know, it's like as if it's torn the vagina and it's so painful because after that, even when she passes urine and the urine touches that area, it smarts. She can't sit down. She can't walk very much. So, you know, it, 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 and then it just negatively puts the whole the whole part of sex in her head becomes a negative, and that is a sure, uh, uh, you know, there's no not going to be libido anymore. Let me tell you that the woman's biggest sexual organ is the brain, and she, if she feels that it's going to cause her pain, yeah. um, there is whatever you do, there's not going to be any sexual drive anymore. Mm. Okay, so now. Many women tend to use lubricants. Now, lubricants are very short term. Um, you know, they, they are used just for sexual activity. Uh, the man, the, the, it's put around the vaginal area. It's usually water-based. It gets dried up very fast. And many women still find it such... Uh, uh, um, it, they don't feel very, very uncomfortable with the whole process. 
Now, we have better quality moisturizers. Now, moisturizers is actually totally different from a lubricant. A lubricant is just for sexual activity. Now, a moisturizer is to actually treat the vaginal wall. And that is something that's totally different. It's just like us putting moisturizers on our face. You know, we use it daily because we don't want our face to get dry. For the vagina, it's even easier. You just have to use it twice a week. So it's such a brilliant thing. So just twice a week, just choose the days of your week, Mondays and Thursdays or Tuesdays and Fridays. So they have moisturizers which actually have got the ideal agents to heal the inside part of the vagina. So you've got the you've got the arginine, you've got all the other liposomes, all the other components that actually that we would use for our face, like the hyaluronic acid, you know, to to make our skin structure much better. So it actually heals the vagina keeps the, the vagina moistened, and this actually would go in a you know it would go a long way to then making that vagina healthier for sexual activity. But let's not look at only sexual activity. Now, you know, during COVID, let me tell you that I was wondering what was going on, you know, during that first year of COVID. And during a space of about a week, I had three of my patients coming back to me and they were all like 60, 62, 63, all calling in to say that they are having bleeding. And I was wondering, why are they having bleeding? You know, and all these are women that I just saw, say, about a year ago, and they're all well, hale and hearty. And what happened with COVID was the whole activity changed. So women were now at home, and they're thinking, what can I do at home? I can't leave the house. So let me clean up the house. There was a lot of activity, a lot of climbing. So here you have the walls of the vagina, which are really dry. Now they are rubbing against each other. Just from cleaning more the house. More, because of cleaning the house, they were doing different kind of exercises because they couldn't go out and do their walks. Um, and so a lot of things that were going on and that caused a lot of bleeding problems. So this is, you know, basically due to dryness. So we, we have this term that's called atrophic. That means dry vaginitis, vagina. And that caused a lot of bleeding problems. So what do we give? We give moisturizers. So easy. So we just give them, get them to use these moisturizers twice a week. And that actually makes their vagina much, much better. And once that happens, when the urine, it also helps with the bladder problems. It also helps with sexual activity. And when a woman does not have pain anymore, then they are more receptive to, you know, you know, having sex and, you know, uh, uh, allowing them to feel pleasured during sex. So it's, it goes a long way, this vaginal health and helping them feel better down south. Mm. Um, but there are no hormones in the moisturizers for the vaginal area. No, there are none. Now, I haven't actually come to the actual hormones. So we actually do have. So I spoke, to, spoke about lubricants. I spoke about moisturizers. And we also have localized estrogen creams. So these are hormonal creams that uh, like estrogen, estrogen creams that again can be used in the vagina twice a week, which would then again heal the whole area in the vagina. And to be very honest, very little of that estrogen gets absorbed by the body. So women who even have breast cancer can use estrogen cream. 
You know, so it is very, it's a very good cream and it's not something that uh, you need to take forever and ever. So most women after about three months and they feel much better, they don't use it anymore and they might only go back to it if necessary. Now, when we now look at all the moisturizers that we have in this country, and especially this one with the arginine and um, the hyaluronic acid, and it's all very comparable with the estrogen vaginal cream. So this, all you know, a lot of them are very comparable, and many women feel that, oh, okay, I pr prefer using this because it's not um, hormone-based. You know, so I prefer using this and this probably will be safer. To be very honest, there's nothing wrong with using the estrogen cream. Um, it's also equally safe. But at least we have, uh, you know, we have a choice and, and you know, to help that woman, you know, make her vagina much, much better. Mm. But continuing the theme of don't just simply put things into your vagina. We're talking about moisturizers specifically for the vagina, right? Absolutely. Please correct. don't use your face moisturizer, right? Oh yeah, thank you, <laughs> thank you for that. Uh, yes, don't use your face moisturizer. But anyway, it might be a bit difficult to use your face moisturizer because these the little contraptions that they use to put in the cream into the vagina. Ah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, so they come with the little fillers. So uh, you have to. It's like a piston, so you have to push it into the vagina so it goes as high and deep as possible. But actually, to be a lot, uh, this the, some of the vaginal moisturizers, if you use it like a couple hours before sex actually it increases the sexual pleasure also so it works both ways in many ways yeah and and sometimes I'd say just use it on the, on the partner and if the partner uses it on himself um, you know the moisturizers it's not going to do any bad things to him um, and it would actually make the whole process of the entrance into the vagina also much easier so we've started talking about libido, sexual desire and pleasure during intercourse. And of course, there again might come back to the argument that, you know, if women already reach that age, um, perhaps sexual needs, um, you know, she can sacrifice that because uh, she doesn't need to think about having children anymore. Now, how do we reframe the idea of um, sexual well-being for women going through menopause? Well, I think we really need to change that whole thing about, you know, sex is not important as we get older. It actually is important because of the fact that that vagina, you know, I, I am so sorry that I'm, I'm, you know, it's a very crude idiom that I'm going to say, but it is what it's, it is what it is in the sense that if you don't use it, you would lose it. So, you know, we always encourage women, please have sex because regular sex actually helps with vaginal health. Um, it helps with your bladder health. Um, it helps your vagina not to close because with aging and, you know, um, we've had vaginas that have fused and then we've had to help open up the vagina because otherwise, you know, the flow of the urine is, is uh, not correct. So a lot of other problems come in. So having a healthy vagina goes a long, long way. And it doesn't mean that women who who have never had sex before or, or who don't have present partners around there don't have to look after their vaginal vagina, vagina. They still need to because of the fact that that vagina is actually, and it's right at that area where the urine comes in and right at the back is where the anus is. So keeping that vagina healthy also helps prevent infections 
to the surrounding areas. So it's really very important. So sex is only one part of it, you know, but, um, you know, it's, it's, it's an area that is very important for us. A simple infection is going to distress us. Uh, it's not going to allow us to walk properly. It's going to give us pain. It's not going to allow us to sit properly. So, you know, we really should be paying more attention to vaginal health and not sort of thinking it's a closed area, no need to bother, we are growing old, forget about it, you know, don't see it, don't use it, so don't bother. No, it should change. But um, you said that uh, oh, the, the biggest sexual organ for a woman is her brain, right? And it's so Absolutely. much to do with how she's feeling emotionally and mentally. And so we've already also discussed how uh, women going through menopause are juggling a lot of um, issues. You know, um, you know, younger women going through menopause just at the age of 50 are still, um, you know, juggling work, children, uh, as they're getting older, then comes in maybe grandchildren, so many things going on in her life. Um, now, how does all this also tie up with sexual desire and sexual functions? Oh, it's a tough job, isn't it? It's really difficult, um, you know. Um, and, I, you know, I, I admire women around me because I think, you know, going through menopause myself, you know, and, and, and trying to handle everything that was around me at that particular time. And I think... Trying to understand that woman in her role, in her family, is very, very important. Um, trying to get down to how to handle her stresses is the key to a lot of her mental health. Prioritizing what is important for her. Um, here is a woman who is probably working, um, you know, and trying to, you know, bring in and trying to probably achieve a certain level at her at a job. Um, there might be promotions that are coming along. She might have younger, um, you know, colleagues who's also trying to why for her position, um, late hours. Um, and then you have, you're coming home, teenage children or children leaving home. Uh, going overseas, it might be emptiness syndrome. Um, you might have aging parents, um, you know, who also need attention, maybe living with you, maybe living afar, but whatever it is, it's, it's always on your mind. And then you have the husband, okay? And especially when it comes to sexual needs that need to be done. And that's why, you know, I think... Um, uh, I think it was in the in the first lecture in the first section that we did. I always ask her, "What are you doing for yourself today? You know, do you have time for yourself? You know, because you're trying to fit yourself into all these little little positions. But what have you done for yourself today? And I think that's really very very important. So just a massage or just going for a pedicure is doing something for yourself. And so when a my a woman is mentally at a little bit more at peace in a mind that she feels good about herself, um, then things work out much better all around. Um, and, and many women, you know, um, totally understand that. They know that they need that time for themselves. And a lot of them know that, you know, that's really important, but they just can't find that space 
in that day or in that week for themselves. And and that's really sad. I find that really, really sad. I think I'm very blessed because I tend to force myself to have that for myself. Mm. But many I know are struggling and trying to help these women, trying to get that little bit of space for themselves, I think uh, is what makes me happy in my clinic, you know, trying to get them to do that the right way. Mm. And understanding that that's not a selfish need or desire. It is not. It, it is, is not. Because it is you part. feel better, everything else works better around you. Mm. So we've talked about um, the genital urinary um, issues that come up during menopause. And, you know, if we're talking narrowing back into those symptoms, um, what is available to help women at least mitigate those um, the, the, the discomfort or the pain, just improve their vaginal health. Um, I guess then looking at the bigger picture of um, the other risks that women are also managing during menopause, and we've discussed about uh, the hot flushes, uh, the risk of cardiovascular disease, the risk of uh, reduced bone density. So what is the place of what we can do for women with the urinary and vaginal issues in that bigger picture of uh, managing all the other menopause issues. Uh, do they clash at all? It's, oh, it's okay, you can treat this and handle all those as well. I think, first of all, I'd like women to talk about it. You know, I'd like them to be, to ask questions about it. I mean, I'm fortunate because I'm a female and I tend to be capable. I ask them directly, you know, you know, so they're more comfortable talking to me. But I know a lot of them would say that I don't know where to go. Mm. I, I, I have no idea who would understand. Um, and let me tell you that a lot of my male colleagues are also very empathetic about it. So it is just that they are shy, you know, to talk talk to a male doctor about it. But a lot of them are actually very good and they totally understand and can help. And I think it just needs that woman to start that conversation. And sometimes I, I actually feel that maybe we should have like a little questionnaire. Women may not be you know, open to initiating that conversation. But if you have a little questionnaire outside your clinic about what are your main problems? And if they can write it out, then the doctor might be able to initiate it a little bit more comfortably. Uh, you know, and I think that is very important because we've had had we've had multiple Asian studies done, and we Asian women do not talk about vaginal health. We don't like to talk about it. You know, it's like a taboo. So bringing up that aspect about it makes a woman feel more in control about herself. And she won't feel like it's an aging process, I feel. You know, if she feels that, you know, that's taken care of, okay, I can deal with my vaginal health. Let me look at other areas that can I can feel now to make myself better. You know, let me look at my diet. Let me look at my exercise. Let me take my vitamins, take my, you know, or whatever that's needed. You know, do my certain checks every year. So she takes control, of her life. Mm. And I think that's what we want. Yeah, menopausal hormone therapy is one aspect. You know, I, I'm, I'm not here to say that menopausal hormone therapy is for every woman. It's not. But I think it's more of getting that empowerment into that woman to take hold of her life and go for this particular checkup and be more aware of what uh, you know she may face as she gets older and being more proactive about it. Um, is I think that's the most important message I have for women out there today. You know, it's ironic, right? For such a large part of our lives, women are defined by 
um, our reproductive abilities. Yes. And yet we don't actually take good care of it or even know enough about um, our vagina to begin with. A, a lot of it, I think it's okay. So social media, to be very honest, because it's so much in social media that is so negative to certain things or or, or take you down the wrong path, um, you know, and um, and trying to get back onto track again is a bit more difficult because of the fact that, oh, no, but my auntie said this or my neighbor said this. And, you know, and I say, hello, you're talking to the doctor. Let's listen to what I'm trying to say. You know, it's sometimes a bit of a difficult road, but yeah, we'll have to try and see where we go. Mm, okay. And... Um- we're not just talking about menopause when it comes to vaginal health. When do you want women to start thinking about this, having these conversations? No, I think right from the time that, you know, I, I mean, I'm very happy these days that mothers are bringing their teenagers to talk about, you know, periods and, and sexual health issues and, you know, and, and mothers will stay out of the room. You know, so let me, you know, have a intimate discussion with them because they might feel that the the their daughters might feel a bit more comfortable on a one-to-one. Um, and I think that's a starting point because in, it might as well ask the doctor what their fears are or their questions are rather than getting it from their friends, you know. Um, so then I would always end up by saying that now that, you know, you understand what I'm trying to tell you, take this message back to your friends because that's really important. Now, vaginal health is also very important after delivery. Because, you know, when you've had a vaginal delivery or when you're breastfeeding, even if you have a C-section, your vagina gets very dry. It's like an estrogen deficient effect uh, state. So, you know, a lot of dryness comes in at this time. And a lot of times when women come back after delivery, I would tell them, you know what? When you have sex for the first time, it might be painful. There might be loss of libido. Don't worry. You can use these moisturizers and try. And then slowly things will get better, you know, and many women who um, post chemotherapy, post radiotherapy may also have all these effects. So it is, vaginal health is important, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be associated with menopause. But, you know, right from the very beginning, taking care of the vagina and, and, you know, um, treating it right, I think, um, goes a long way. And I always tell everyone, be gentle with your vagina, just be very, very gentle. And being even able to say the word vagina, right? Without without feeling shame, without having to use other words to replace it. Um, Dr. Pramita, let's wrap up um, our three-parter on menopause. You know, let's, uh, I guess you have said it in in previous shows before, but a message again uh, for women facing menopause. Well, again, I would say menopause is a wonderful time. I'm, I'm now 10, 10 years, or rather, okay, eight years post-menopause. Um, I'm having a time of my life, and I hope that everyone would actually look at it from that point of view. Um, it's not something that's supposed to be taken negatively. Proactively, like what we would do with many things in our lives, and if you need to take menopausal hormone therapy, we have safe hormones around, and we can tailor-make it for you. 
All right. Dr. Premita, the modern consultant obstetrician and gynecologist, the most brilliant picture of menopause that uh, I, I know. <laughs> just wonderful just hearing from you about you know how you're embracing menopause. And that's what uh, we have been uh, calling this short series on menopause, embracing it. That's this wonderful. has been Health and Living on BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.